So Gunnar, are you a big uh, Google Chat fan? Uh, fan is a strong word, but I certainly use it every day. Yes, yeah, yeah. As 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 we live the Google uh, G workspace, they change it every week. Um, uh, lifestyle, but um, did you ever use the Google Meet bot? Uh, I've used well. So we have, there are a few bots that we use internally, right? Um, uh -huh. and, uh, and I think so here at our work, and I think one of my favorites is the Acrobot. Okay. What does that do? It, uh, keeps track of acronyms. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. can, you can teach it what an acronym means and then somebody can come along later and say, Hey, Acrobot, what is a, whatever OCP stand for? And I'll right. say, Oh, OpenShift container platform. Yeah. Or FISMA. And or FISMA, yeah, like yeah. Uh, no shortage of them in the, the government. That's, right. that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Which which yeah. bots are you thinking about? Uh, well, I've been lately. I've just started using it uh, and enjoying it. Is there's a Google Meet bot, hmm. um, M E E T, not M E A T, different bot. Um, <laughs> but the the Meet bot, it's like I could go in this bot and I could say schedule meeting with Gunner. Is it? And then it would be hmm. like, you know, and it would it would figure out that it's you, um, and then it would be like you're you're free on these available you know you're both free on these available days and it's multiple choice a b c or d and then you do like b and then it'll send the invite it has the google meet link um it's pretty slick wow that's cool yeah yeah so you know you could obviously like what do it in about 10 clicks right with uh um you know, going in Google Calendar and all that, but um, this is pretty elegant. Um, it also, you know, it may not do like good hygiene in terms of having an agenda in the meeting and all that stuff, but um, it, it can create something quickly and then you can go in and edit it after the fact. So it's kind of cool. Right. Oh, yeah. That's really clever. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the part of arranging a meeting that we want to necessarily make easier, but uh, right. I, I do like that it's less work. Yeah. Yeah, of of like, yeah, you know, comparing the calendars and all that. And, you know, it's like uh, I would love to have it, you know, the, on our side, having the uh, Google Home turned on or w whatever you call it, uh, you know, the um, to uh, so you could just talk to your uh, assistant and it, it could schedule it for you, which I guess it could. But uh, we just need to have it turned on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cool. So what are you up to? Uh, so I'm here to, I'm here to, I'm here to, to testify on, oh, behalf of, okay. on behalf of a, uh, on behalf of a practice that I think everybody would like to think that they are doing. Um, okay. but I actually started doing it mm -hmm. and I'm here to recommend it. Okay. So every Sunday, mm -hmm. uh, using drafts as per the previous episode, right. I'm able to go and I wrote myself a little script to pull out all of the priority one and priority two items out of my to-do list for the next week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So priority one means must do this and priority two mm -hmm. means I should do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, using drafts, I'm able to slurp that into a well-formatted markdown document. Mm -hmm. 
And that allows me to keep a list of all the things that I said I wanted to do for the entire week. Mm, okay. Yeah, and yeah. this is helpful because it makes me go, it makes me do things like go through meetings and say, oh, I need to prepare for this meeting on Wednesday. So that means on Tuesday, I should be doing, you mm. know, the, the reading or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I find this is great uh, mm -hmm. because it is, first of all, it is clarity on my, it, it has uh, ridden me of the anxiety that uh, I will get through an entire week and not actually make progress on something that I care about. Yes. Yes. And yeah. it gives me some comfort that I, I, I won't forget something important. Um, yes. And at the end of the week, I can go through and I can check all those boxes, right? And say, mm -hmm. like, yep, I sure enough, I did all the things I told myself I wanted to do this week. Mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or or not. Uh, anyway, very clarifying, very helpful. Uh, and I thought that I was doing this um, mm -hmm. just by going through my, you know, my my tasks for the day and things like this. But giving myself the kind of weak perspective on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I found, anyway, it's, I found it, I find it very comforting. Yeah. Well, I think the way you, you say it of priorities, mm -hmm. um, that is uh, a priority list is different from a task list. Right. Right. Yes. You could is. be doing a zillion tasks uh, and not really accomplish anything. Yes. And so this is really nice because it's the thing that it's like, what are you really focused on uh, that you want to, uh, really accomplish what what are the big needle movers instead of just like you know just doing activities right yeah yeah that's right and I, and so you know using i'm a to-doist person so i used you know mm -hmm. priority one and priority two to differentiate between things i must do and things i should do i found mm -hmm. a benefit to that as well which is giving myself permission ahead of time to not do the thing on the day that i said i would going to do it mm -hmm. like, must means basically non-negotiable in terms of time like it has to happen on tuesday Right. But should means, well, if you do it on Tuesday, great. But if you have to bump it on Wednesday, you know, lives won't be lost. Right. Right. Well, and that, that reminds me a lot of how we talked in the past about the uh, Eisenhower chart, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, things are important and urgent. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very similar to me. It's like, even when I talk to people that understand that chart, I'll, you know, I'll come right out and say that, that this is important, but not urgent. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so that's a good way to think about it. And like you said, it's like from a self-care standpoint, you know, being able to forgive yourself uh, for, mm -hmm. um, you know, not doing something that is important, uh, but not necessarily urgent. And you could, it's okay to push something back as long as you ultimately get to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And in the spirit of the Eisenhower uh, Foursquare Eisenhower method, uh, I have also created filters in in the in my to-do list so uh i have one for important and urgent important mm -hmm. and not urgent mm -hmm. urgent and not important not urgent not important um which is also helpful if i'm if i'm casting about for things that i'm worried that i should be worried about during the day mm. now now you need to have your uh, to do is do like a uh like a gartner magic quadrant of your <laughs> week ahead right that's right yeah make sure my densities are all good in all the quadrants right Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's yeah. I'm sure that that puts your mind at ease uh, and and is really. Uh, um, yeah, it's comforting, right, that it's like you could rest in, you know, that part of your brain, you could settle and just turn off and, you know, it's like I got it handled. It's all right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And especially because uh, one last thing on this, part of the part of the ritual is going through each meeting I have during the week. 
and making sure that I'm clear about what I want to happen inside that meeting. And that definitely helps me helps me uh, create the right set of priorities, right? Yeah. Very helpful. Well, that too. Like how many times do people schedule meetings where it's like, okay, what outcome do we want out of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and often, Dave, as you know, often the stated outcome or the agenda, if there is one, uh, mm -hmm. is rarely captures your own agenda in the meeting, if you know what I mean. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. These folks want to talk about these three things, but I want to make sure that, uh, that X, Y, Z happens. Right. So, For sure. And then you don't want them to run the clock out because there, there yep. are some people that are masters at that, that can, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. So weekly priorities. You should do them yeah. every Sunday night. Do it for you yeah. every week, whether you need it or not. Go through your priorities. You'll feel better on Friday. Yeah, I need to make that a priority. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so um, this week uh, we're going to be talking about uh, reverse engineering taste and uh, reverse engineering AI training sets. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and we got some weird looking things for people to look at uh, this week. And, and so, uh, so people can fire up their web browser uh, uh, and, you know, before we start talking about them, uh, where should we send them to look at these very strange things? Yeah. So they should go to a uh, dgshow.org. Uh, that's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. And yep. on Twitter at yep. uh, dgshow, D-O-T-O-R-G. Yeah. Yeah. So um, speaking of weird things, did you know that uh, Michael J. Fox was not originally cast to be Marty McFly in Back to the Future? That's impossible. He he defined that role. That's not possible. Yes. And, and imagine this. Eric Stoltz was the guy that had the role. Really? Yes. Yes. So in the, in the cutting room floor, check it out. You could actually see the scenes side by side of Eric Stoltz in the scene and Michael J. Fox in the scene. Um, it is weird. It is, you know, it's like a parallel bizarro world, parallel universe sort of thing. <laughs> weird, man. I'm telling right, you. This is where the, you're saying this is where the timeline split. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Glitch in the matrix, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So check that out. And then um, the other thing, you know, uh, 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 if, if you want a list of uh, odd telephone numbers to call, um, I got a list of them for you. Yeah. Uh, such as like, if you want to know the current time from the U S Naval observatory atomic clock, uh, you can get that. Um, there's a answering machine for better call Saul, uh, a hall and Oates, uh, emergency song line, uh, which I guess you only want to use in emergencies. So um, yeah. That's great. That's so great. Plenty, plenty, something for everybody there. Uh, all the senses. We got sight, sound, uh, taste. Stoltz. Yeah, Stoltz. Yeah, it's one of your senses. Um, so um, we talked about the the uh, robot lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. That was your defense attorney, and then you had your prosecutor and all that, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In the last episode. I wanted to follow up. There is um, a new tech startup called Rival that wants to um, let everyday Americans bet on civil lawsuits by uh, buying and trading associated crypto tokens in an initial litigation offering. <laughs> Tell you more? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Take let my money. It. Okay. 
Yeah. So um, according to uh, one of the founders, uh, their goal is to make access to justice more affordable. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he says, I want to, what I want to do is make the federal court system more accessible to all. And um, they described it as a crypto infused lawsuit focused GoFundMe is another way to describe it. And um, it was uh, made possible uh, due to the, uh, the Barack Obama administration. They did the Jobs Act, which mm-hmm. allowed a private company to crowdfund up to $5 million uh, from Americans, regardless of their wealth. So you don't need to be like an accredited investor. And um, yeah, and then if people, you know, and everything's good, right? So like if they see that the lawsuit is going south, they can just sell their tokens, right? They just sell out, they cash out, right? <laughs> um, sell it to the to the highest bidder. Nothing wrong there. And then um, uh, he also, uh, th- this guy that they interviewed, uh, he also has hopes for uh, pro bono uh, element of, of, of this as well, where, um, you know, like people can invest in these coins without really worrying about the monetary part of it. Right. So they see an injustice in the world and they could like a GoFundMe, put some money towards it to fund the lawyers to go after, uh, you know, the, the people that may not have the funds to do it. Huh. Okay. So this, this is getting into, so, okay. Take the crypto thing out, right. Cause the crypto seems like a detail, right? A mechanical detail. Yeah, that's a scam. This is that's, the real deal. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah right. Um, it, like, could I hypothetically could I start a an investment fund that uh, underwrote potentially lucrative class action suits? It will. It would be like a prediction market, right? Yeah. Well, that, well, this is what I'm wondering is, is, are we, are we say it says crowdfund, which suggests to me that like, we're actually going to, now we're going to get a bunch of people together to go pay a, a plaintiff, right. Mm-hmm. Or a plaintiff's lawyer anyway, to go, right. to go do some work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that doesn't seem, that part doesn't seem particularly new. Yeah. I think that well, happens it, already. I guess. Um, but not for the little guy, I guess. Right. 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 Where like you have a class action lawsuit, it's pro you know, the uh the uh you know, the litigants you know the of part of that class action, they get like what, like a, a five dollar subway coupon or something like that. Right. But, right. Um but it's the lawyers that end up making all the money, right? So yes. this is this is a chance for some I guess for the, the little man to get in on this and, and so instead of the fat cat lawyers, um yeah. it makes it more equitable for people, I guess. Uh, makes it, well, I put, let me put it another way. This, this, this would drastically expand the total addressable market for any given plaintiff's lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a good salesperson to, uh, say, Hey, and in, invest in my, uh, lawsuit. Uh, and you know, you could do an infomercial about it and get mm-hmm. people to sign up and talk about the, you know, get people to talk about the, you know, all the good that can come out of it and all the money that'll, that'll come out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Putting it seems to me that putting more mm-hmm. money into the into the tort system mm-hmm. probably, <laughs> probably is not a good idea in the wrong direction. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And well, what about like insider trading too? Yeah. Right. Right. If if you're the legal team, uh, and I'm maybe they have it covered. I don't know. Uh, but you know, the legal team is probably like, man, we're screwed compared to the you know, just the passive 
person that is buying these coins and they're not in the trial day to day, the lawyers can buy in or sell out, um, you know, based upon, you know, because they're much more, you know, are there, there are no laws on this that could prevent insider trading, I guess. Right. That's right. Or if, what if I'm a, what if I'm a, let's say a a Dow chemical, for example, not Mm -hmm. that the, not that the folks at Dow chemical have done anything wrong uh, ever, but uh, if I, if let's say I was, uh, let's say I was, I was, uh, I was, I was worked for Dow and I knew they were getting sued by these folks who were getting crowdfunded. What would happen if I was Dow and I funded the other side of the, the other side of the table, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, I get a get common angle. Sets. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. get two uh um that's a great idea. So you could you could bet on have an ICO for each each uh party. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then and then potentially get the yeah, get a common angle. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, the other thing I was thinking is um did you ever read the Simon Sinek book, uh Infinite Game? I did not read it, no. No, I've Fantastic. read what other people have written about it, but I hear good things about it. Yeah. 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 Where, you know, he gets people to think about, well, you know, a, uh, a finite game is like a, you know, you're playing checkers or a football game or whatever. Whereas the infinite game is like a business, right. That's going to go on, you know, for who knows how long, right. Possibly forever. Uh, and, or like the stock market, right. Where you invest, there's no end to that game. Right. Um, and but to me, this is like a finite game too, right? Where the, the you know, it's not like Bitcoin where the price could go on forever. Uh, Bitcoin is never going to end. Um, whereas the court case is decided and there's a payout. Right. And so, you know, that coin is no longer worth anything unless there's like a, um, uh, and the appeals um, court. Yeah. There you go, appeals court. And, you know, so it's so imagine like if you graph the the value of that coin where it could go up and down based upon the value, then there's a decision and then the coin just craters and then it's like fractions and fractions of a penny and then it goes under appeal and then somebody could slurp all those uh, those coins up and at a bargain price and then be able to, uh, um, you know, go on appeal and, and try to win. Right. Right. This seems so well insulated from from some uh, pretty nasty externalities that it makes me very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Well, and also think about the like they talk about the pro bono part. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have these very, you know, well-intentioned people that it's like, yeah, justice, we're going to make sure justice happens for whoever. And but you could have this, you know, they could have people just really be taken advantage of where it's almost like a charity. Yeah. Uh, run by lawyers. Yeah. Right. Well, and haven't I, uh, the other thing, haven't we already solved this with like contingency fee lawyers work? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This seems like yeah. a, seems like a solution to confer a problem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I just want to know if you could do, uh, an initial litigation offering with rival to sue rival. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a nice place to start actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice little Ouroboros thing going on. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. So everybody just reflect on that for a little bit, but um, yeah. And so you just saw this, this uh, video for a lickable TV. Yeah. Lickable. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was, when I first thought it's like, oh, lickable, I thought, uh, you know, I was expecting, uh, you know, what do they say, uh, smell-o-vision uh, to be yeah. the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, that would be the sense that you would have, where um, you check out the video, and it's basically this, like, plastic film that goes across a screen, and before it goes, uh, the film goes on the screen, there are these, like, 10 flavor canisters that'll squirt this flavor on the plastic film that will go over the screen. And then you're supposed to lick the screen uh, to taste whatever's on the screen. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And uh, what are the potential uses for this again, Dave? Oh, uh, um, they, they're um, uh, plentiful. Uh, So think about like a try before you buy. Right, mm-hmm. where if if you can miniaturize this into like a tablet form, where you're looking at a menu um, on on your tablet or on your phone, you could just lick your phone, right, um, to see what the food tastes like before you uh, before you get to eat it right. uh, at the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or wine tasting is another one, uh, so you could do like virtual wine tasting without the wine. Yeah. Um, you could also, uh, like, if you're doing a video call with somebody and you want to share what you're eating with that person, you could sort of um, uh, squirt over the flavor to that person and then they can lick their screen to get a taste of what you're eating. <laughs> and then um, the other thing that they've come up with, too, is these, like, flavored crackers. So instead of it going on a uh, that plastic screen, mm-hmm. imagine having, like, a Ritz cracker where the uh, 10 flavor canisters will squirt whatever flavor on it. And now the, um, the, the cracker tastes like, I don't know, sushi or, or whatever. Uh, yikes. Uh, well, that's very good. Well, they couldn't have picked a better time to launch uh, this mm-hmm. notion of a lickable TV. What well, with the pandemic and everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's uh timing is everything. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um yeah, but meanwhile, um there's there's did you know that the weight of uh of of um a drink that you have can alter its flavor? Huh. You yeah. mean like uh, you mean your mind will ascribe certain qualities to the flavor based on the mm-hmm. based on the 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 container? Yeah, the weight of the container or the weight of the liquid in the container, and mm-hmm. and I have no idea how uh, uh, these uh, people came across the idea. But what they did was like they noticed how um, you know you go to uh, like a wine tasting and the different types of wine go into different shaped glasses. Uh, for, you know, flavor, you know, to, to release a flavor and all that and, and everything. And um, these scientists figured out, or they had hypothesized that if they could change the weight of the vessel that they're drinking, can the flavor itself of whatever you're drinking be manipulated? And mm. so what they did was that they came up with this um, cup that kind of looks like a, it has a, like a weight on it. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like a slide trombone that as you start drinking it, the weight goes away from your hand and away from your mouth to make the cup feel heavier. And as people are drinking, like they interviewed the people that were drinking it and they're like, um, as I was, I was, as I was drinking this liquid, it became more delicious 
as I was as the the cup got heavier. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And it and and they said it would have like a stronger taste or uh, feel richer. You know. Huh. That's interesting because here's a, Dave. Here's a you. You've traveled a lot. I've mm-hmm. I've traveled a lot. And Dave, if you if you receive a, a cup of coffee in a in like a large ceramic mug, let's call it like a one pound mug, like just a real like yeah. a real beefy mug, probably not yeah. not real not real capacious, right? Mm-hmm. Probably a very modest serving of coffee inside. Mm-hmm. Dave, is your assumption that that coffee is going to be uh, rich and delicious, or is your assumption that that's going to be a kind of a thin, watery? Uh, gruel um i think it would be it would be uh richer and and i guess like you're you're getting at like i'm thinking maybe i'm thinking about beer right now but like the big heavy beer stein right Mm, mm -hmm. right you know that is like a liter right and it's like compared to like a real thin glass that you would put like uh pepsi blue ribbon in right (laughs) Right. and uh yeah no and I, i think that and and does that beer that you you know, you get at the microbrewery, that big stein, you know, they could, they could probably charge a lot more for it because it tastes better because it's a frosted mug that was this really heavy glass. Yeah. Right. Right. I believe it. So yeah. Compared to like a paper cup. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about AI let's and, and uh, deep fakes and whatnot. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like we keep talking, we keep coming across all these, uh, this whatever doesn't exist. Uh, there's actually a web page that is cataloging all of them. Oh, and um, some of my favorites that are on there, there's uh, this uh, effed up Homer doesn't exist. So it's like these AI renderings of Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's another one that uh, this question doesn't exist where it's uh, stack RoboFlow, where it's... Um, it's like Stack Overflow, where it generates the questions and the answers, and it's just totally plausible. <laughs> I guess it's because most Stack Overflow questions are indistinguishable from robotic gibberish, right? Yes, exactly. Right, yeah. right, and and yeah. Now you have a robot that on the other side, like an RPA, that is yeah. copying and pasting from Stack Overflow into code. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. But the uh, believe it or not, um, it is that web page is not exhaustive, and I'm going to have to figure out how I could do a pull request to submit some new ones that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you got a chance to take a look at this. There's some uh, '70s fake uh, um, science pulp fiction covers. So good, yeah. So good. Like so, the artwork and the titles are totally made up, um, and, just... and pitch perfect. Like that yeah. weird watercolor styling that every science fiction novel seemed to have in the seventies. Yeah, and everything's running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah, <laughs> all the paint is running, and the yeah. <laughs> so we got that, and then there's um, this uh, uh, Alessia does not exist. So it's an artist, and what she did was she gave a bunch of headshots to a uh, an AI um, again, and now. Um, if you go to this web page, it will show you uh, pictures of her that were generated from, uh, like like AI generated headshots of her that don't that never existed. Right, but like, but the and the output looks like her. It looks like photos that are of her and or that she might have yes. taken, but they are completely synthetic. Yes, yes. Great. So it's it's like this person doesn't exist, but the person actually does exist, but the picture doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Think about that's that. That's great. One. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And meanwhile, um, there are researchers that um, did you ever hear of uh, a thing called a membership attack? No. Okay. So, yeah. So imagine like, you know, like you, you have that, this, this face doesn't exist. Um, you know, GAN that gets created. You got to give it all of these source images to go into the GAN to create the fake images. Right. Mm -hmm. There are some scientists that figured out that they can give uh, like a headshot of you, give it to this AI. And then the AI can give you a, a probability of whether uh, your headshot was part of the training set or not. <laughs> That's great. It's basically like a, a decompiling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and so like it's sort of it's like a like a forward. Uh, I, I guess it's like a forward chaining sort of thing that it will it'll go in that direction, right? That you know it'll you know it'll basically. Um, you know, so it, it goes in and then it's like, oh, well, does this, does it, you know, what is the probability of that person existing or not? And then there's some, these other uh, researchers that actually go the exact opposite direction, they actually go backwards. And so um, they're able to uh, go like uh, use the GAN um, to walk it backwards and then pull out the original images. Cool. That's great. Yes. So, so one way is it, it's like, oh, I have an MRI scan of me. Right. And then I, I gave it uh, and then it'll test to see whether um, it will uh, I'm part of that, that membership, right. Of, of the, the training data, or it can go the other way where it could, it could work its way backwards through the AI. And then the result would be, the images that um, were part of the training set. Right. So there was like, there are some images in the, uh, 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 in this, that if I remember correctly, it was like some images of bananas that came out that it, it doesn't look exactly like, you know, perfect bananas, but it's sort of like through an AI lens, like the, the uh, science fiction cover ones, but um, right. just amazing. That's really something else. That's cool. That's real yeah. cool. Yeah. And that's that's where, you know, I know from an AI ethics standpoint, people are saying that, oh, well, you got to create synthetic data um, because of things like this. But then I wonder, it's like, well, how do you create the synthetic data? And then right. does that synthetic data accurately reflect the corpus of the data that you want? Right. Yes. Well, and and then I guess you know you know we can let everybody go and reflect on it, but um, but if if you know people they they should do their duty and watch uh, Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future for um, sure. But we're, yeah, where where should they go uh, to find oh. that uh, that video? Yeah, they can go to uh, dgshow.org. Uh, that's mm -hmm. D is in Dave, G is in Gunner, Show dot o r g. Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Gunner. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. Okay. See ya.